Hi, this is Vicki. As some of you may or may not know, I lost my brother Skip in early March. Skip was not only my brother, he was my best friend, and he was also one of the three revolving co-hosts on the Yeah, That Can't Be Good Eureka podcast. We published the last regular episode over at the Eureka podcast in March 2020. We were going to take a longer break between finishing Eureka and starting Warehouse, but the pandemic hit and Kim and I found ourselves with nothing to do, so we started recording in June 2020. Skip, who was busy on a regular basis, was one of the few people who did have to continue to go to work. So knowing he was busy, I was hoping that maybe I'd get him to pop in a couple times for a few episodes. I knew it wasn't going to be anything regular. But then he got sick, and Kim and I finished recording all of the Warehouse episodes. But as recently as January, I told him I was saving the webisodes for him. I guess that was me being in denial of what was happening. I published an episode over on the Eureka podcast of a compilation of clips that I thought were funny and just about us having fun doing the Eureka podcast. But since he really only got to do two episodes over here, I was going to just repost both of those episodes that he did, 13.1 and Don't Hate the Player. But it would have turned out to be a very long episode, so I'm just going to repost my favorite of the two, which is Don't Hate the Player. If you'd like to listen to the Eureka podcast, I'll put a link to that episode on the13thwarehouse.com, as well as a blog post I wrote about my brother. Just a little bit about Skip. He was an artisan craftsman known worldwide for being one of the handful of whip makers who still make American bullwhip. He was featured in the Discovery UK series History in the Making, which focused on skilled craftsmen making historically significant items using the original time-honored methods. Skip was a gifted magician, known for his cards and coins sleight of hand. For years, he performed as part of the team Vic and Earl, the Earl being his best friend. For over 30 years, they worked together honing their magic act that evolved and changed over the years. They were best known for their sideshow routines, particularly Crime and Punishment, which they performed with friend and cohort Dave. Skip was also a published author. He had his articles featured in The Magic Menu, a close-up magic periodical for professional restaurant and bar magicians, of which he was also the art director during its early years. He was a contributor to the book Magic and Meaning with Eugene Berger and was a founding member of the Inner Circle of Bizarre Magic. Skip was a man who took pride in all he did. His day job as head custodian spanned over 40 years. Retiring from one city, he went on to work for a school district in a nearby town. He went above and beyond ensuring that his building was a clean and safe environment for his students and staff. He not only took care of the building and grounds, but he was also considered part of the team of educators. Skip shared his knowledge and led by example. He did many workshops on engineering and design of whips, how to start a small business, and design a web page at the high school as well as cards and coins for the students at the middle school. It's clear that Skip led an interesting life, but he should have had much more time to continue doing all the things that he loved. So now here's one of Skip's two episodes on the Warehouse podcast, Don't Hate the Player.
Hi, Kim and I have the week off this week because we originally recorded this episode for our Eureka podcast as a bonus. So we're just slipping that in right here. Please also keep in mind that this was recorded before we started our rewatch of Warehouse 13. So some of my questions have probably already been answered in previous episodes. Thanks. Hey, it's Doug with the TV Guide Synopsis Season 3, Episode 6. Don't hate the player. Fargo becomes trapped in a video game inspired by Warehouse 13 and requires help from Pete, Claudia, and Micah. Meanwhile, Stukowski recruits Artie and Steve to help with a case and catches them stealing an artifact. Created by D. Brent Moat and Jane Espenson. Written by Ian Stokes and directed by Chris Fisher. Original air date, August 11th, 2011. Hi, we're back with Season 3, Episode 6. The title is Don't Hate the Player. Okay, so this episode opens in the cafe that they all seem to go to from time to time. Does that have a name? I don't know that it does. Okay. It, it very well may, but I've never, okay, uh, I wasn't it's sure. never entered my uh, memory. Like I said in the first Warehouse 13 episode that we did, I watched this once. I don't remember a lot of it. Yeah. I may be not picking up on things that I'm supposed to know from other episodes. Well, it's a fun episode, though. It is. Claudia's picking up coffee and Pete's listening to some guy playing the guitar yeah. as he waits for Claudia. Standard coffee house fare. Yeah. You know? So Pete suggests that she bring her guitar there so she could rock out the locals. Yeah. She refuses. Right. For all of her toughness, she's actually pretty shy. Right. She says she only plays at the B&B where no one can hear her. Yeah. Claudia gets a call from someone named Gibson, but for this podcast, I'm going to call him Glenn. This is before the fall of the entire world. This is the thing that forced him out of IT and into pizza delivery. Yes. He tells her that Fargo gave him her number in case something went wrong with the beta test. And we see Fargo seizing with headphones on. Yes. Claudia, Pete, and Micah arrive to find that they can't take the headphones off of them. They try to touch them and they get a shot. Well, they're not really headphones. They're like this virtual reality kind of thing. So they're stuck to the temples. And then they got the gloves on and everything. Right, so I saw it's the gloves. Kind of a new, Fargo's invented a new game. This yeah. is a new virtual reality game that him and his partners are, are beta testing. Okay. I didn't realize. See, I don't do tech stuff. I, no, so the, to me, that's a headphones. <laughs> headphones. So Glenn brings them to a laptop and shows them a presentation Fargo did for his new device, the Braid. Yeah. And the BRAID stands for Bioelectric Reality Augmentation Interactive Device. Right. This is some sort of game that creates feelings, sights, sounds, and smells. Glenn says that Fargo and the other guy, who I keep calling him the other guy because I didn't know his name, but later I find out it's Jerry. Yeah. We're testing it. But after a while, their pulses started to spike and they right. started to... Because he invented an RPG game that you're not just doing the game, you're actively part of the game. So if you get hit in the game, you feel like you've gotten hit. If you touch something, you could actually feel it in your hand. It's a total immersion into the RPG game. Okay, makes sense. Claudia looks at the program while Pete tells this Glenn guy that this is not their area of expertise. But Claudia confronts Glenn with her findings that the braid never worked in the first place. Glenn says that Fargo thought he found something that might make the program work. And he shows them the teapot. Yeah. Teapot and the cups. And the the cups, right. 
and they determine that the pot is an artifact. Jinx goes to see Agent Stakowski. Yes, the FBI agent. Yes. Now, I remember her. Yeah. What is it about her? Well, they meet for the first time in Denver while they were retrieving an artifact. Okay. She's an FBI agent. She gets involved with them. And now this is the second time they meet because she calls them because they're into weird stuff. Weird stuff. And there's some weird stuff going on here. Okay. And it had to do with that Van Gogh painting. Okay. Okay. She needs his help with the case. Artie comes in yelling into the Farnsworth about Fargo. You came alone. Not quite. How that little nerd get his hands on an artifact? I'll kill him. I'll call Lena and she can help. Eureka. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> He's not a fan of Eureka yeah. at all. You know, the the one funny line is he comes in and says, Eureka. She goes, Did you discover oh, something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sally tells him about the case. The curator of the gallery suddenly jumped out of a window. Yes. They didn't suspect suicide because there were no signs of depression or behavioral changes. And he was excited about the new exhibit opening the following week. Right. Artie finds and hides a leaf as he asks about witnesses. Yeah. So he gets that look on his face. That already gets when he knows. Yeah, there's something going yeah. on, yeah. She shows them the report and says that he only fell two stories. Yeah, but he was, like, totally crushed. Right. Like, he uh, fell a thousand stories. Yeah, like he jumped yeah. out of a plane, I guess. Artie notices a painting and looks at it as though he's figured something out. Artie tells her that it was suicide. Yeah. He's not very convincing, though, when he's trying to get out of something. No, he's Yeah, not. it was suicide. That's it. We're yeah. going. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't make any well, attempts. Well, because Artie doesn't care whether people believe him or not. <laughs> right. He's like, it was a suicide. We're leaving. Let's go. Right. But I think if he was a little more convincing, maybe she wouldn't have shown up later. But I don't she know. has ulterior motives. Oh, yeah. I know. And that's what I wanted to know. Yeah. Sally argues that the glass is safety glass, so he couldn't have jumped through yeah. it. He and Jinx start to leave and Sally gets a phone call, so she's not able to walk him out. I think she did that on purpose. She oh, didn't want did... to walk out with them. Oh. Why? Because. So they could talk? She is sinister. She knew what was going on. Yeah, I think she knows something. And like I said, I remember her, but I don't remember. She knew about that painting. Okay. And that artifact. She knew what it was. She knew what it could do. And this was her plan from the beginning to get them there. Okay. To deal with this artifact that she knew because the plan was for her to steal the artifact. Okay. And then to give it back to them. So that's what I was confused about because I remember her. I kind of thought she was up to no good, but I didn't know if she knew at this point exactly what they did. But you're saying she does She, know. she okay. knew from the very beginning, before okay. she called them, that was the plan. This is an artifact. That Van Gogh painting is an artifact. We're going to call Warehouse 13. They're going to try to steal the thing. Okay. I'm going to steal it from them. And she embeds nanobites into it. Right. Little nano robots into the painting, gives it back to them. So when they bring it to the warehouse, the little nano robots have access to the warehouse now. Okay. Artie tells Steve that the painting is called Stormy Night. The Van Gogh's been missing for years. Yes. And death has followed wherever the painting was spotted. So it's not an actual for real Van Gogh painting. Right. Yeah. Stormy Night. Artie does not want to involve Sally. So he decides that they're going to have to come back and steal it. Back at Fargo's house, Micah consults with Lena about the teapot. Lena identifies it as Beatrix Potter's tea, tea set. The tea brewed in the pot is known to stimulate the imagination center of the brain. They had a 
yeah. a different word for it, but I'm not going to try that. <laughs> Lena says she'll send the scans of Beatrix Potter's first editions to them as they... Yeah. Uh, and she did uh, Briar Rabbit and... Yeah, I can't... I, know, know, I don't think I ever read... I know, like I know who Beatrix... Rise, yeah, you know. I know who she is, but I don't think I ever read oh, any... Oh, don't put me in the Briar Patch, that thing, the rabbit, you know. But there might be some difference in the first editions to what is now the books everybody reads. Glenn calls them into the other room, Fargo seizing more than before. Claudia decides that they have to go into the game. Pete and Claudia plan to go in while Micah monitors them from the outside. Pete wants the badass avatar, and yep. Claudia opts to be herself. Yeah, and he said, I thought you said elf. <laughs> they both drink the tea and get into the game. Whoa, and you're a stripper. What? No, I'm a gladiator. It's cool, right? Yeah, nice skirt. Nice ears. Pointy? <laughs> I'm an elf, I said myself. You need to enunciate. Pete and Claudia get inside and discover that the game is based on the warehouse. Yeah. Artie is the game. Yes. That was funny. And Pete keeps saying Artie is going to kill him. (laughs) (laughs) Before they are able to enter, Artie, General Arthur, and his soldiers come up behind them. Artie speaks in rhyme. I am General Arthur, the Queen's royal best. Now players prepare for a life-ending quest. And the ground opens up and drops Claudia and Pete into a room that looks like the Knights of the Round Table. Yeah. Artie welcomes them to Fortress 13, still speaking in rhyme, tells them of a princess in the tower that needs to be rescued. Welcome, players, to Fortress 13, the most wondrous place that's never been seen, hidden deep in the valley of the land of bad, filled with dangerous relics, some evil, some... Ah, mad. The princess is imprisoned high in the black tower. Her life slipping away with each passing hour. True heroes you are to take this brave test. Now, will you accept your dangerous quest? He tells them they're looking for two royal geeks. <laughs> <laughs> and not the princess, but already keeps repeating the same... Yeah, the same uh, uh, line, over line over. until they accept the quest. Yeah. We would love to save your princess, but are looking for two royal geeks. Two heroes you are to take this grave test now. Your dangerous quest. Sure, glasses, unnatural attraction to computers. Now, will you accept your dangerous quest? Pete, it's just a program. Fargo and Jerry must be further on in the game. We're just going to have to play along if we want to find them. Now, sure, sure, why not? Welcome, players. They figure they have to play along and we'll find Fargo and the other guy along the way. They have to find the key to the Black Tower and rescue the princess. So we go back to the gallery where Artie and Jinx are breaking back in to steal the painting. Jinx says his burglary skills are rusty and is convinced they're going to jail. He cracks me up. Yeah. He just cracks me up. I love him. Artie takes out a device called the Eclipse. Well, first, when they walk up to the alarm panel and Jinx is talking about his burglary skills yeah. and that this is a security thing and we'll never get past it. And then, you know, I, while he's saying that, Artie already has his little device on the side of it and he goes, okay, we're in. <laughs> they walk into the room, there's lasers everywhere. Right. So he has this eclipse thing that he throws over to the uh, 
panel that uh, that operate the lasers. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that it will disable the lasers for what is it like 40, forty-two minutes, 42 and, minutes 59 and fifty-nine seconds. seconds, the exact time of dark side of the moon. Okay, so what does that have to do with anything? Because the Pink Floyd laser shows. Remember they used to uh, have the Pink Floyd laser shows? Um, they mentioned Pink Floyd, yeah, but they I... played Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, and there'd be a laser uh, show, and everybody would watch, and he's like, hey, you're a Pink Floyd fan? Dude, have you seen Laser Floyd? Dude, I've got Roger Waters' name tattooed on my neck. No, I'm not a Floyd fan. Yeah, and I got that, because I got the Dark Side of the Moon. I, I'm not a Pink Floyd fan, but I got that. But I didn't know what that had to do with the eclipse and how... Yeah, okay. it was a right. Pink Floyd it. laser show, so this right. thing eliminates lasers, I guess. Oh, okay. All right, I get it. So Sally shows up, as I kind of expected. Right. And she insists on being included. Yes. Back at the game, Micah goes to get a pen and stares at a coffee mug, which I didn't know why, but I figured it out later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Pete and Claudia come across someone with an ankle lock and find Lena... The angel, although I guess she wasn't an angel. No, she's like an eagle, eagle person. person yeah. yeah, she creates more of the yellow road to help them with their goal. Yeah, she rewards Claudia with her feather because Claudia got her out of it. Yes, you know. by using wit instead he of force. He tried to start with the sword. He was going to break the chain. Yeah, so I guess the, her feather is kind of like a get out of jail free feather. Well, that's to help if you ever need. If help. you need help, yeah. yeah. So we see some sort of night monster dragging an axe. What do you call that? I wanted to call it a bat lift, but it's not. The they, axe thing she was like? Yeah, what do you um, call that? Is there uh, a name for that? There very well may be. I'm sure that there is a name for it. I don't know that name. There it's has like, to be. It's like the thing Charles Dunn uses to kill vampires, an angel. Yeah, it's a pole axe, I think. I don't know. Is it called a pole axe? I don't know. It's I, an axe on a pole. <laughs> okay. So we're going to call gonna it, call it, it pole a pole axe. axe. Okay. All right, so she gives her the feather, and she says if she could use it at, at any time to call Lena or the Eagle people, which yeah. is when I realized she wasn't an angel. That she was um, an Eagle person. Yes. <laughs> they enter the next room and find that it's a copy of the Dark Vault, yeah. and Pete gets a little angry yeah. and starts yelling for Fargo. But Claudia finds the key. Yeah. As soon as she picks up the key, Quicksand appears, but Pete warns her in time. But then they see a hand come out of the quicksand, and Pete uses his sword to give whoever it is something to hold on to. And they pull Fargo out, and his heart rate in the living room goes down. Yeah. Later, when they explain it, apparently they didn't pull Fargo out. Fargo used the sword and pulled himself out. Aha, uh-huh. yes. They tell him that they still have to find Jerry, but the Grim Reaper, or the night person, or whatever that yeah. is, as Pete calls it, comes out and takes their controllers. Well, actually, they kind of just, like... She just yeah, sucks it, just away. Sucks it yeah. away. Yeah, having nothing left to do, they run. Fargo says that none of this was part of the game. Claudia and Pete think the artifact caused these extras to happen. Micah calls to tell them that Fargo's breathing's okay again. Yeah, but Beatrix—I can't say that. Beatrix, Beatrix Potter's Potter. original drafts were more like dream journals and very dark. Yeah, kind of like the old Grimm's fairy right. tales there. And Aesop's fables and yeah. stuff like that. They were really kind of dark yeah. in their original forms. Yes. And they were softened for children yes. over the years. I know. Of all you the know. things to soften for children, it's funny yeah. that they pick the darkest things imaginable. She says in one story, Peter Rabbit chews off his own leg to free himself from the farmer's trap. And she wonders if the tea set brings out the darker parts of our subconscious. Fargo has nightmares about drowning, and he wound up in quicksand. And it turns out that Pete and Fargo both have nightmares about going bald. Yes, yes, because, of course, Pete. Yeah. I'm shaking my head. (laughs) 
Claudia thinks the tea set brings your fears to life in the game. Micah says she'll try to find out what's going on in Jerry's head because the executioner must be coming from his fears. Yeah. Fargo says the only way to shut off the braid is to finish the game because they don't have the controllers. Yeah, they, have, they can't exit the game, so they have to finish right. the game. He assumes that Jerry would have known this, and he must have gone to the Black Tower. So the three of them head to the Black Tower. Meanwhile, Mike is yelling at Glenn because <laughs> he doesn't know what Jerry's fears are. He doesn't know anything <laughs> about Jerry. She says she needs to find a woman and remembers the mug with the photo of Jerry and, and some girl. His girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. Supposed to know what's in Jerry's subconscious. All we ever talk about are video games and fantasy football. Why are all men emotionally stunted? I need a woman. Yeah, you and me both. No, no, I mean, I need to find. Are you gonna get me a woman? Because if you are, I'd like to change. Micah tried to get Jerry's girlfriend's name from his phone because Glenn doesn't know it, and she does find it. Her name is Hannah. Back at the gallery, Artie sends Sally out to check on a noise while they tried to switch the painting with a fake. He uses a mini camera to take a picture of the real painting and points it to the blank canvas that yeah. Jinx is holding to create a new copy. He says the paper is memory paper from Gutenberg's printing press. Yep. Sally comes back. She's kind of impressed on how yeah. they did that. Yeah. yeah. So Artie gives her the purple gloves and Sally sneezes on the paint. Now, do you think she did that on purpose? Yes. Yeah? That didn't even occur to me yeah. until just now. The painting sort of blows them in a bunch of leaves away because that all comes from the painting the so heavy wind the leaves, the leaves. The, you know it's a storm so this painting must have blown the guy out of the window yes. at the beginning yeah. okay jinx holds on to sally while Artie sprays the painting with the purple goo the wind stops and sally screams wanting to know who the hell these people are because <laughs> of course she knows they do weird stuff yeah. but this is like over the top weird this thing was activated by a puff of air when you sneezed that's what triggered the effect But we see a leaf from the painting is landed on the eclipse. Mm-hmm. Back at the house, Hannah shows up. She panics when she sees Jerry jolting around. Micah tries to explain what's going on. Fortunately, we didn't have to sit through the explanation. But Hannah can't even pretend to understand. Micah says she needs to know more about Jerry since whatever's happening has to do with his subconscious. Hannah tells her that she and Jerry broke up the week before. She wanted to get serious and Jerry said the timing wasn't right. He wanted to get far games off the ground. She even found a ring that he bought her. She waited and waited, and he never asked her to marry him, so she broke up with him. I guess Micah figures that must have something to do with his fear. Yeah, his fear is that he's afraid to ask her to marry him. Yeah, (laughs) even though she wanted to get serious, so that doesn't even make sense. Yeah, I know, but that's a storyline that happens in a lot of these shows. Yeah. You know? I mean, look at Joe and Zane. Oh, I know. See? Oh, you know, I just realized there's another Warehouse 13. It's not actually a crossover, and I barely remember it, but Joe and Zane are in it as a couple. Oh, yes, the, but they're not Joe and Zane. They're, not they're so, just yeah. two different characters right. with the casino chips right. and everything like that. Yeah. So maybe if we find ourselves with extra time, we might do yeah. that one, too. That's not a technically a No, it's not. That's just those no, two actors the first are one, different. Yeah, because the, the one that Artie's in. Artie plays a scientist right, and gets redacted. Which is not a crossover yeah. either, but... Yeah. And I think that was probably even before Warehouse 13 went on the air. Because that was in the first season of Eureka. Um, yes, yeah. Yeah. It, it was. So at the gallery, a leaf short circuits the eclipse and the alarms go off. Sally takes the original painting and dives under a security door before it closes. Yep. Claudia Fargo and Pete, who is complaining about his kilt chafing, I would kill him if I had to work with him. <laughs> I swear. 
they continue down a tunnel. It looks like it's is it turning? It or is turning just... because when you see the black tower when yeah. Fargo first points at it, you see the white tube that circles oh, okay. all the way up it. Okay, and that's the entrance tube. Yeah, to warehouse. To warehouse. That's that what I thought. They make it to the door and Claudia uses the key. Fargo wants to explain something to her before they go in, but Claudia goes in to find that she's the princess. Brave heroes! You've come to save me! I'm the princess? Really? You didn't see this coming? I will compose a ballad in your honor. (laughs) What are those things on my chest? Freckles? Pete is not surprised. Yeah. And Pete even says, well, are you surprised? <laughs> Apparently she was. You really didn't think this was going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> Just as they find Jerry sobbing in the corner, the Reaper comes in. Yeah. I don't know what to call this. Some of them are that's calling it, it a Reaper. Yeah, some of it are calling... Reaper is a uh, good enough term. The Reaper kills Princess Claudia. Pete tries to attack it with his sword, but it zaps. Yeah, it gives him a... It zaps a, it a down, yeah. yeah. They try to wake Pete up as the monster goes for Jerry. Now we see that the monster is actually Hannah. Pete wakes up just as Hannah and Jerry disappear through a door in a cloud of black smoke. They try to go after them, but they're confronted with some fire-breathing monster. Yeah. Which I didn't know was a dragon, but they were calling it a dragon it later. It is a dragon. Yeah. Well, you could see that it's a dragon. I couldn't. When it comes to, I couldn't when it, see yeah. anything. I just thought yeah, it was. It some... starts when it flies over to the door before it's. You can see that it's a dragon. Oh, I didn't even see it flying. It's a dragon. Well, I saw it appear. Yeah. Out of the smoke, but I didn't see it flying. Okay. They called it a dragon later, I believe. It you. is a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> because why? As Fargo says, dragons are cool. Okay. Micah tries to tell Pete what she thinks is going on, but she gets cut off. Yeah. Pete realizes that losing communications was a fear that he was having yeah. while in the game. Fargo calls for the dagger of Josephine <laughs> <laughs> to get past the dragon, but it does not appear. Yeah. And he realizes that he forgot to program it into yeah, the game. Yeah, he forgot to write the code for the only thing that could save <laughs> could, Right. Claudia remembers her feather. Lena appears and Claudia asks if she can fly them out to where Jerry is. Lena sends her dragon to fly them out. That was a dragon too, right? That was more of a phoenix than a dragon, I think. Because it's half lion, half bird, half, you know, it's more of a... I didn't get a good look at it. I yeah. Just, okay. I'll believe you. Yeah. We find Artie and Jinx in the back of a police car. Jinx doesn't understand why Sally, being a sworn FBI agent, he's so naive, yeah. would take the painting. And Artie keeps saying it's worth hundreds, hundreds of millions of, of dollars. dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so Sally shows up right before they're about to be taken to the police station and tells the officer that they're working on a terrorist case with her. She convinced him by telling him the black market. In forged paintings and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah. Funding terrorism. Funding terrorist operations. They're helping her to identify forgeries. So he lets them go. Back in the game, Hannah has Jerry in a guillotine. Tries to tell her that he was just too afraid to ask and that she would say no. Which, again, I'm saying it doesn't make sense. Fargo says he doesn't know of Well, he doesn't know that if the guillotine goes down and chops his head off, is he going to die? Is he going to die, right? They don't know what's going to happen. But I would imagine he would because everything else seems to happen. Yeah. Right. So meanwhile, Hannah has a candle on the rope that's holding the blade up. Yeah. And the rope's starting to burn through. Claudia's trying not to think of her fears at all. But as she, she does. Yeah, as she yeah. says, the harder you try not to think of something, the more yeah. you think of it. So she begins seeing the doctor from the hospital she was in who was telling her that she's delusional and she's strapped down on a gurney. Yeah. And he's telling her that the warehouse is a delusion that she created. 
So does she think that at times? She doesn't think that, but she almost starts to believe this doctor. Okay. You know, she knows that she's in reality, that she's not imagining all of this. But then the doctor and the her fears are getting escalated. Look, do you remember that episode? Did you watch Buffy? Never. There was an episode of Buffy. She was in an institution, and they were trying to convince her that the whole life that she remembered yeah. was just a, a, delusion. a delusion. Yeah. And the way it ended, you really don't know if it yeah. really is. Yeah. I was wondering because, I, like I said, I don't remember the show all that much. But I know that before she was in an institution because she thought her brother was alive. Yeah. And the way she thought her brother was alive, he went through a vortex and mm-hmm. she's explaining this to the doctors and they're like, you're crazy. Right. Stuff like that doesn't happen. But does she, even though she's in the game and she's at the warehouse and blah, 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 do you think that there's a part of her that thinks, even before this doctor said it to her? That all of this is a delusion, too? I don't too? think so. No? No, I don't think okay. so. I think that the, the doctor was beginning to convince her that okay. that might be true. All right. But that's in the context of this game okay. and being affected by the artifact and all of that stuff. Okay. You know. That's what I wasn't sure. Because but like, outside of that situation, I don't think that she... She, the, she, she has a fear that this is all a delusion? Out. Yeah. Okay. So he wants to give her a shock therapy treatment, although... It, Seems a little more harsh than a shock therapy treatment. Well, everything is escalating. Yeah. This uh, <clears throat> fear factor stuff. You know? And now everyone in the living room is seizing. Yeah. So Micah decides she has to go in. Although we don't see her actually decide that, but we know that that's what she's going to do. Yeah. Somebody comes in wearing a red cape and shoots the doctor and the attendant who's holding Fargo and Pete with an arrow. Claudia shocks the doctor and they both disappear. Yeah. Because you have to do your own fear. Right, and that's what they figure out later. Right, like Fargo said, you held the sword up, but I had to pull myself out. So we find out that it's Micah in the red cape. Fargo says that they gave him the cottage, the courage. See, cottage. (laughs) They gave him the cottage so he could live and retire there. (laughs) Fargo says when they showed up, they gave him the courage to get out of the quicksand. And Micah gave Claudia the courage to zap the doctor. Yep. They figure that the key to the game is you have to take down your own fears. Right. So they have to get Jerry to propose before the rope burns through the guillotine. But you know, Pete never overcame his fear. His fear was being without communication. Right. But he's so shallow. His fear is not... Going bald. Right. Yeah. Nothing you can do about that. Right. So they just glossed over that whole Pete's fear thing. (laughs) Pete and Fargo go to distract Hannah while Micah and Claudia try to talk to Jerry. Back to the police car, Sally apologized for leaving them there, but she said she intended to come back and get them as soon as the painting was safe. Yeah. They thank her and leave, but Artie has a feeling about her. She, she is evil. She turns, and we see that she has someone watching. Yeah. The guy from Grimm. Did you watch Grimm? Yeah. Which is probably before Grimm was on the air, right? Because I would have recognized oh, possibly, him. Yeah, yeah. I would have recognized yeah. him. They nodded each other, so something's up. Now, at that point, you realize that she's that she is in it with those bad guys. Right. She needed that painting away from them right. so she could implant the nanobots into it and then give it back to okay. them so the nanobots would get into the warehouse. Back at the guillotine, Fargo and Pete distract her by acting like dopes. And Claudia yeah. and Micah get Jerry out of the guillotine while Fargo and Pete do battle. Fargo zaps her and Pete stabs her, but nothing works. Poor Pete. All he wanted was the sword. Doesn't work on anybody. They talk Jerry into telling Hannah how he feels. He proposes and puts a ring on her finger and the game is over. 
Yep. They all wake up. Later, Claudia confronts another fear and plays at the cafe and sings. Yep. And then we have a montage of everybody while she's singing. Yeah, there's always a little montage. Yeah. But then we come back to Sally, and she walks up to a guy in a wheelchair and says it's done. And the person in the wheelchair replies with, now we wait. Yeah. What are they waiting for? In the warehouse, <laughs> we see the painting, and we see a little bug kind yeah, of thing pop out, at, followed by a swarm. So the, all these little whatever they are. Are they nanobots? Is that they, what are, they, they are nanobots, yes. And that's when you knew the whole thing was a cell yeah. to begin with. Yeah, and that's the end. Yeah. Yeah. He knew all about the warehouse. He has access to artifacts. And he had this FBI agent. Right. So they lured them into the museum, knowing that they would try to come back and steal the painting. All right. So that's the end, unless you have something that we missed. I have nothing else. All right. We will see you next week for... I don't know what episode we're on. All right. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) See you later. Bye-bye. Oh, get something to eat.